Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,634. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. I'm revved up and very excited to be across the pond today talking with a, a great a guest from North London by the name of Russell Hayes. Hey, Russell, uh, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Hey, Mark, I'm all ready. All right, we'll have some fun today. Before I do a proper introduction, though, Russell, I'm going to ask you this. What's one little question most people don't know about you? Well, I had a bit of a think about this, and I think it's that once I had ballroom dancing lessons. <laughs> you did. Well, you know, when I was a kid, they, they did uh, what was here in the United States called cotillion. Do you have that over there in the UK, cotillion? Kind of line dancing, folk dancing. Well, this was kind of where young men were taught proper dancing etiquette. You had to wear white gloves, and the girls dressed up, and us boys dressed up. And it was like junior high age, and you would go in and— You'd walk across the room and properly ask a young lady to dance, and they teach you how to dance. It was kind of a fun, uh, a fun little process. I think I have the word right, Cotillion. I hope I'm not messing that up, but no, that sounds right. Yeah. That sounds so, right. so do you do, still do ballroom dancing to this day? It's an unusual thing I did at university. I tried joining every club I could, and just to try everything. Uh-huh. And and I tried the ballroom dancing club, and I tried the rock and roll dancing club. And I didn't do too bad at rock and roll dancing, but the ballroom dancing, I just crushed people's toes. So I thought, <laughs> yeah, I've tried that. It was fun. Give it up. Move on to the next thing. Well, it, it's kind of like I did that uh, Western da- line dancing with my wife once. And actually, I was better at it than I thought I would be. But that, again, you have these processes versus just rock and roll. You just do whatever you feel like doing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. Well, listen, let me give you a proper introduction and we're going to talk about a cool new book that you've authored. Russell Hayes originates from Somerset, England and now lives in North London. During 14 years of motoring journalism in print, television and online, clients included the BBC, original Top Gear program, Channel 4's Driven, The Times and London Evening Standard. He was a UK civil service press officer from 2003 to 2019, but in his spare time, he wrote seven motoring history books on subjects including Lotus, the Earl's Court Motor Show, the Volkswagen Golf, Volkswagen Beetle and Bus, and the Aston Martin V8 cars of 1969 to 2000. Now a full-time author, two more books are in the pipeline for 2021 and 2022. His newest book, though, is titled Volkswagen Beetles and Buses. It celebrates the 75th and 70th anniversaries anniversaries of Volkswagen's most uh, iconic vehicles, cars that we certainly love over here in the States for sure. They're loved all over the world. From the first Beetles to the buses that became synonymous with the generation. We'll be back in a minute to talk with Russell, but first a word from our valuable sponsors. These are the folks that make this show possible. So give them a listen, give them a little love, and we'll be right back. Keep your seatbelts on. Do you have a pet in your household that loves to go for a ride? Our pets are part of our families, but they can be very hard on your vehicle's interior. Well, Covercraft has you covered. They offer a wide variety of solutions to protect your vehicle's interiors from Fido's rough treatment. 
Canine cargo area covers are padded for comfort and provide door-to-door protection. Pet pads have built-in features to keep cargo areas and seats protected. Covercraft solutions cover cargo areas, bucket or bench seats, and protect from damaging claws, pet fur, hair, mud, moisture, and that occasional drool from permanently damaging your vehicle's delicate surfaces. Choose from a variety of styles and colors that cover almost every vehicle made. Is your dog getting a little old? Covercraft even has a pet ramp so your trusted companion can get himself into and out of your vehicle. Here's something special to you from me at Cars Yeah. If you go to Covercraft.com and use the code Yeah120, Y-E-A-H-120, you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. Go to Covercraft.com today and use the code YA120 and you'll get this special 10% off. Tell Fido it's from me. That's Covercraft.com. Use YA120 at checkout. Covercraft, they've got you covered. Woof. American Collectors Insurance, that's how I now protect my Porsche Turbo. The one I call my orange crush. Are you insuring your classic vehicles on your regular daily driver auto policy? then your special vehicles are at risk. Your regular auto insurance carrier won't tell you how much you'll get until after a claim, and more than likely, you'll be in for a rude awakening. With agreed value policy from American Collectors Insurance, you'll be paid your vehicle's full agreed value. No surprises. If you're driving your collector car less than 5,000 miles a year, do what I did. Call American Collectors Insurance and get your very own agreed value policy tailored to your specific vehicle. If you're like me, you're picky about who works on your special ride. A great policy allows you to choose your repair shop of choice, and that means you'll know the job is done right. I shopped around and decided to protect my car with American Collectors Insurance. They've been protecting vehicles since 1976. Give them a call for a quote today at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love. I did at American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. All right, Russell, we are back. So as we continue on this journey of your life today, I would like you to share a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that is important to you. It's a nice way to get the uh, VW wheels turning here on Cars. Yeah, so Russell, take the wheel. Yeah, I've I've thought of something which I think applies to me and certainly something which I'd like to aspire to. It's a quote from Lee Iacocca, you know, the father of the Ford Mustang. Mm Mm-hmm. And he said, the ability to concentrate and to use time well is everything. I like to think I aspire towards that. Well, that's what I was going to ask you is how you uh, put that into your system. Lee Iacocca, obviously a very successful man uh, in so many ways. So give me one example of perhaps as you were writing this book, and we're going to dive into this book a little deeper here, of how you applied that into how you authored your newest book or maybe any of the books that you work on. I kind of have to work out how I'm going to balance finding my pictures with my initial research and then maybe going out to interview people. So I'll start off with um, gathering everything I already have in the house, in my office uh, altogether, like all the road tests and all the existing books. And I kind of make, make a hit list of people I want to go and see. And then uh, I work out which days I'm going to go to the archive. It might be months ahead. And at the moment, I can't go to any archives and have a big sort of hit list of pictures I'd like and go there and try and maximize my time. I mean, I just love spending an entire day in an archive. It's just my, my favorite thing to do. Uh, and on the Aston Martin book, 
I found an archive in, in a motor museum which hadn't really been used before. And it was full of letters from the company, all around the company, from about 40 years. Oh, wow. I just sat there. And they only let you go in for, for one day at a time. So I just sat there from um, as soon as they opened at 10 until they closed at half past four. And I didn't eat anything. And I worked out how many times I could go to the bathroom. And I just <laughs> got my head down. So... I really didn't know how to maximize my archive time. Well, yeah, no kidding. I mean, that's that's hilarious. <laughs> the fact, okay, I've got, they must have been going, you're going to ever go home, dude? <laughs> Maybe I would just leave you the keys. You can stay all night. I'll bet you you would have if they if they had allowed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be great. For anybody who's never gone to archives, they are fascinating. I got to go into the archives at the Ferrari factory some time ago. And they were opening up books, for instance, uh, a, a car that Nikki Lauda raced uh, in F1 and notes in there from the mechanics and from him and from the different people going, well, the car is doing this, the car is doing that. And it's just it's fascinating because you can glean a lot of different information that you wouldn't normally glean in other areas, right? Yeah. And if you and if you know what you're looking for, you can sometimes pick up stuff that that nobody else would be identi- identify. Hmm. I mean, Again, going back to the Aston Martin, but I, I found a contact sheet of a of an Aston Martin which had had an engine fire, and it was just a lot of burnt cars, uh, a lot, lot of shots of, of of a burnt engine bay. Mm-hmm. And I worked out that this related to a story that somebody had told me about one of the V8 development engines catching fire while they were um, testing it mm-hmm. um, and melting the bonnet because the bonnet was gl- fiberglass. Oh, it looked hard enough, and I could work out that there was a V8 engine sitting in the sitting in there, and the bonnet looked as if it was fiberglass. So I found I found the photograph of this anecdote that people have been saying for years, and I've never seen a picture of. Its discoveries are great. Did you discover what was causing those fires? Oh, it was. I think it was. A, it was a kind of engine blowback through the carburetor. Yeah, almost like an intake backfire. Remember an early Porsche yeah. 911 I had that the airboxes had a problem with those. They ended up developing a quick fix kind of a pop-off valve, but I learned the hard way in my Porsche. I think it was a 74 that I had uh, on a street, and it I downshifted and just heard this explosion and opened up the back of the car, and there was just plastic bits everywhere, and I'm like, what the heck happened? And uh, yeah, <laughs> learned about backfire, backfire explosions yeah. in those things. Well, let's talk about this new book of yours. And I'll remind the listeners, it's titled Volkswagen Beetles and Buses, celebrating the 75th and 70th anniversaries of the Volkswagen. This is coming out this fall, so we're already into September. Man, this year's flying by, despite all the craziness. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about why you chose this subject at this time, and what were some of the things that really excited you about this newest book you've authored? Well, I was really lucky to be asked to do this and I jumped at it straight away because it was a, I know a lot of, a lot's been written about the Beetle and the Bus already, but it's such a fantastic story. It's got so many elements to it. And it was because I got the chance to combine the design history of both vehicles as, as time went on with the social history, with how they changed over time. And they changed their meaning on depending on the time they were being produced and the countries they were sold in. I mean, they meant different Beatles meant different people, things to different people in different countries. Mm-hmm. I mean, it meant a different thing in the States in the 1950s to, to uh, how Germans thought of it. They thought of it as just a car and the Americans thought of it as, as something completely radical and anti, anti-Detroit. Yes. And I love the way the Mexicans took on the car in, in the later life it had. As its own, uh, as their own car, virtually as a Mexican car, they didn't think of it as a German car. Mm-hmm. And it's been very interesting how the bus has kind of come out of the shadow of the Beetle in recent years. It's it's become so so desirable. 
those antique buses and they represent they become a shorthand for good times and travel and optimism uh, and that iconography of their uh, of their front and the, and the split screen front is everywhere it's absolutely everywhere I, I i spent a summer while i was doing the book um on holiday in europe and every time i saw a picture of a camper van or a bus on a t-shirt or a or a biscuit tin i took a photo and and they just it, you realize they were everywhere the image of the camper van is everywhere now Oh, absolutely. And I hear inklings of VW coming out with a kind of a retro version, kind of like Ford's come out with the Bronco and, you know, Mustang just keeps reintroducing itself. And I mean, Porsche does in a way, but when you bring back like, like VW did when they brought back that new old Beetle and it looked like yeah. the old car, uh, I mean, it just makes you smile that what do you think it is about the Beetle and about the bus that makes almost everyone smile. They, they, I don't know anybody that doesn't look at those and go, ah, oh, is it the memories? It's the memories, and it's, I, I, think, I think fundamentally it's the shape. There are the, you know, the people have often said that the beetle with the round uh, uh, hood on it and the, um, and the big round headlamps looks like a smiling face. Mm-hmm. And the bus is kind of the same. It's, 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 they have no aggression about them. They, they just look friendly. And I think they were in production for such a long time and they went through so many transitions that uh, they ended up carrying all the their history through uh, like the bus was bus was used as a, for people protesting against the war in, in vietnam and um it was used by the hippies and then um it was used by the customizers and the californians and the, and the uh, likewise the beetle went through its sort of custom car stage and they, they carry all this cultural baggage through with them and people i think that lodges in people's minds that's that's what people don't know quite how it got there but that's that's the feeling that comes with them now i think so i think it's absolutely right my sister had a bug i had a gia and so volkswagens were part of our early lives when we were in high school i had a guest on the show here david bernardo who owns a company z electric in san diego and he takes old vw buses and bugs and puts electric motors in the back of them so you think about bringing that old iconic car up to the future uh, it makes them much faster much more reliable and yeah yeah it's just but again, those things make you smile too. Uh, first time I saw one of his was in during Car Week in uh, Carmel by the Sea, and it went by. And I, my son says, "Hey, look, Dad, a OVW bug." And I turned around, and it went by. And I looked at him, and he said, "Why isn't the engine running?" And we chased the guy down, and that's when I met David. And he opens the back, and I just got this big smile with this big metal box with three big wires coming out. And he goes, "It's electric." So yeah. <laughs> Starting to starting to back companies that are doing that now. They're they're getting into it. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Well, I always ask my guests about a big challenge, and I, I would assume every time you write a book and you've done so many, there certainly are challenges, uh, maybe even walls that you run into. Can you talk a little bit about maybe a particular challenge you met with writing this current book, and then when you run into these things, how do you get your way around those roadblocks? I think it's always trying to find something new to say. You know, I want to. Add, I wanted to. I want to always add something original. So the best thing I thought I could do with with Volkswagen is to bring some colour into it by speaking to some people who had them in the time. And it's not always easy to find. You know, uh, people who actually owned them when they were new. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of people who owned them when they were classic cars. But I wanted to uh, find people who had them when they were just kind of beat up second-hand cars. So luckily, I found. Uh, I did have a friend of mine who had one in the early 1980s. She had a Beetle, 
and, and took her to university and she had all sorts of adventures in it. And through a friend of a friend, I found um, uh, a guy in California who I interviewed, who uh, took it on road trips and he, he loved his bus. He had an orange bus uh, with a, what's it, the, um, what was the, the conversion call that was the Westphalia conversion? Oh, the Westphalia. Yeah, I saw, I was just in uh, our little town yesterday, uh, went for a boat ride with some friends and we came out and there was one of those sitting in the parking lot and I stopped and I said, oh, Westphalia. My wife always rolls her eyes and goes, another old car. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, I love those Westphalias. Those are cool. Yeah, so uh, I've, I just added a bit of color by, by people's personal experiences and how people relate to them, related to them growing up. I just wanted to add that bit of color, and that's, that, that's something I thought I could do. So I hope that comes across. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely it does, and I think it's great. It brings a whole personality to just the simple, uh, say, books that just quote facts and things, and we've all read those, but bringing that personality in the book is what, one of the things I, I really loved about your book. You know, you mentioned with this pandemic this year, and I wanted to touch on that a little bit, because I've been asking all my guests about how it's affected them and their work. Uh, first and foremost, are you, your family, your friends, everybody healthy and okay? Yeah, I ha- I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say that we've been all fine. Great. Yeah. I'm very yeah. happy to hear that. So how has this pandemic, you mentioned not being able to go and do actual interviews or go to archives. Of course, you have the internet at your disposal now that authors back in the day never dreamed could be possible, where you could find answers uh, in so many ways just by sitting in your, your desk. But how have you worked around the pandemic this year and still been able to produce what you do? I've had to reorganize myself. I've, um I've had to, I'm working currently on, a, on, a, on another Aston Martin book, which is a, a major history of Aston Martin, but I've gotten until the end of August next year to do it. And I've had to work on the basis that I won't be able to physically get back to my archive until probably next year now. Mm-hmm. So I've had to rearrange everything so that I, I can do everything I can on the internet first, and then I can go back and, and look at the paper copies and look at the, paper, the, the printed, printed images. And I guess do do some interviews by uh, by phone. One of the things I I really got into was going to uh, we, the British Library here in London, which was a fantastic is, is it's fantastic resource. It's a really modern building. It's a great place to work, and their stock of reference books are fantastic, mm. and it's free. And you 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 order a book two days before you go, and you can spend the day in their lovely reading rooms. But of course, they just shut down. That really changed my access to rare books. They're starting to open up now, but I've started to buy a lot of books on eBay. My, my library's got a lot bigger, certainly since lockdown. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, that's a, a good place to find, especially some old books. I found some great old automotive books on eBay, aside from all the other resources out there for sure. Well, I'm going to take a short break. We're going to thank our sponsors here. We come back. I want to dive into your personal passion for cars, Russell. I want to talk a little bit about cars and you and your history and, and why you have this love for automobiles. So sit tight. Everybody keep their seatbelts on as we chug along in our VW bus or Beetle here, and we'll be right back. Let's step away from the conversation to talk about our charity of choice here at Cars Yeah, America's Automotive Trust. America's Automotive Trust is a group of like-minded nonprofits that are working together to preserve and promote car culture across the country. Together, they provide scholarships and grants to aspiring technicians and restoration artists. They provide youth education programs and bring communities together through automotive-related events, car shows, and drives. 
Among those nonprofits is RPM Foundation, a terrific organization working to keep our favorite collector cars on the road. RPM was created to ensure that the specialized skills needed to care for classic automobiles, boats, and motorcycles continue to be passed down from generation to generation. They do this by supporting training for young people with a passion for restoration and setting them up with mentors who can share their valuable knowledge. So far, they've awarded more than $3.5 million to restoration education projects across 35 states. Incredible! To learn more about RPM or to donate to their mission, visit www.rpm.foundation. You'll be glad you did. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for enthusiasts and collectors. It's your monthly must-read. Whether you dream of owning a collector car, maybe you have two, or maybe you've got 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Here's a couple deals I have for you just for listening here on Cars Yeah. If you use the checkout code Cars Yeah, you'll receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription at Sports Car Market. That's an exclusive offer from Cars Yeah. And guess what? Here's another deal. If you'd like to get the actual magazine, use the code BSH for buy, sell, hold. That's code BSH. And you'll get $10 off your annual print subscription. That's right. $10 off. Both of these are exclusive offers here at Cars Yeah for Sports Car Market Magazine. Just go to sportscarmarket.com and get your deals today. What do you do after running a race team for 27 years with over 100 professional wins, multiple wins at the 24-hour of Daytona, and a win at Le Mans? Well, if you're Kevin Buckler, racer and the racing group's team owner, you create Adobe Road Winery. Located in Petaluma, California, he and his team have created a winning combination with the Racing Series, four ultra-premium red wine blends that are in a class of their own. Like racing, these wines comprise of art, precision, engineering, science, and a whole lot of fun. You can choose from four blends titled Redline, Apex, Shift, and the 24. Today I'm going to tell you about Redline. It's a rich and complex blend delivering a taste of ripe blackberries, black cherry licorice, and a hint of toasty oak. An added very cool option is that this features the world's first interactive wine label. That's right. When you pour the wine, the three-dimensional tachometer actually hits the red line. It's incredible. The Racing Series is a killer gift for the automotive enthusiast in your life, and I've got a deal for you. If you use the code CARSYEAH, all one word in all caps. When you go to checkout, you'll get $10 off any purchase of wines from the racing series. The wine ships promptly and arrives quickly right at your door. Use the code CARSYEAH at checkout for $10 off of your purchase today. There's always a seat at the table for excellence with the racing series. Go to adoberoadwines.com and use the code CARSYEAH to save $10 today. Cheers! All right, Russell, we are back. We pulled the VW over the side of the road so we could have a little chat here. I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your personal passion for automobiles. It sounds like uh, Aston Martins are one of your loves, of course, being a Brit. I, I can see why. They're beautiful cars. You love VWs. But is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were going to be a car guy? 
Well, I think I, I think I kind of owe it all to my dad, and he did one very simple thing. I think when I was about eleven or so, he said, "You need to stop reading comics," and he put a classic car magazine in my hand, and I remember it was a copy of Thoroughbred and Classic Cars, and that was it. That kind of switched switched my interests, and I, I, I kind of started with this interest in old cars rather than new cars. So I sort of started back to front. So I was always starting with motoring history. And, uh, and I was looking back at my library today, and I think one of the first car books I got was um, A History of the Mini mm. by a guy called Rob Goulding, and it was published in 1979. So I would have been about uh, 12 then when I bought that. And that book just got me obsessed on minis to start off with. So, so my first car just had to be a mini. <laughs> of course it did. My parents did the same thing. You know, I was in the back as a kid, and I'm, uh, I think I'm probably a lot, a lot older than you, but one of the things I always read was Mad Magazine uh, when I was a kid, and I was always into cars. But the first car book my parents ever bought me, and you'll know the answer to this question, I'm sure. Some people don't, was uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And, of course, that was written by? Ian Fleming. Ian Fleming. And every time I say that to people, they go, the James Bond guy wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? And I yeah. go, yeah, he did. And I still have that book to this day. I mean, the, the poor spine, I've read it so many times, is kind of falling apart and so forth. But that was the first, what I call, big boy book. I think I was about nine, maybe eight or nine. I was not very old. And that kind of got me into reading car books. And so I've always appreciated my parents doing that. It's a great thing for you listeners out there that have young kids in your your life is, uh, yeah, buy them cool car books. Uh, You'll spark some interest aside from taking them to car shows and so forth. Well, you mentioned that first car. And I do ask all my guests about a first really special vehicle. Is it that many or is there another car that came into your life that had great meaning for you? It is that Mini, really. It was uh, I, I desperately wanted a Mark 1 Mini as my first car, even though they were about 20 years old by the time I was looking to get my first car. Uh, and I, I became a bit obsessed with the Italian job, and I wanted, I wanted a Mini Cooper that looked like the Italian job, and of course that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> so, I, so I ended up with a 1965 Mini 850 with the little handlebar bumpers, and it still had the little drawstrings to open the doors. Yeah. And I um, I took that backwards and forwards to university in the north of England. I think it was about 250-mile trip right each way, and I, I just went up and down motorways and froze and um, got wet feet. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah, I love that car. Yeah, they're really cool. You know, I have a longtime sponsor here, good friend of mine, uh, Chris Kimball. Good morning, Chris, because he listens to this show every morning. And he's a very tall guy. I'm not, but he's very tall. Towers over me, and he has a little old Mini Cooper. And I always laugh because I think about him getting in that. But I've driven those and gotten in them. They're surprisingly spacious inside. It's still astonishing today. Yeah. Yeah. But the new ones today, you're exactly right. We bought my daughter one. And when I drove her off to college, we took a 1500 mile road trip to take her to college so she could have her vehicle there. I was really surprised how much room was. And of course, uh, a young woman going off to college has to bring everything with her. And we stuffed that car full. I couldn't (laughs) believe everything we got in it. My son, I think he took a backpack. That was about it uh, when he ran off to college on the East Coast. But uh, the little 850, I mean, just a awesome classic classic car uh, what's your best memory of having that vehicle i think my best memory is how i coped with its with its problems really mm. uh, it, it was a, it was a hydroelastic mini do you remember there were there were minis which had um, fluid suspension mm. for a while okay. and they used to leak so um it used to droop on one side <laughs> so so when i went out with my friends I used to get them to sit on one side of the car so it, it balanced it up <laughs> 
Put your heavier friend on the other side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd forgotten all about hydroelastic suspension. Oh my gosh. You kind of go, why would they do that? But you know, they were trying a lot of different things back in the day. So I think it's very cool. Now, do you have an old Mini today or do you have aspirations of owning one again? No, sadly, I can't really run a classic now because in the middle of North London, you don't, you can just park on the street. So oh, I've, got to, I've, got that's to right. some, I've got to have something that's practical I can park on the street and not worry about. I understand. Well, let's uh, let's crawl into your head a little bit here, Russell. I'm going to become your psychologist today, have you in my office, and I'm going to ask it this way. So, Russell, if you woke up tomorrow and you were manifest as a vehicle, not what you want to be, <clears> but how you perceive your attributes in a vehicle, as a vehicle, what would Russell Hayes be and why? I think I would be an MGB GT. Cool. I would see myself as maybe friendly, reliable, and with a little bit of style. I wanted one of those so bad when I was a kid, and my dad had an MGTC, a 49, when I was very little. And he said, well, do you want a car you'll be working on all the time, or a car that you can actually get in and drive every day. And I yeah. think that come, he, he drove his TC to work every day. I mean, that brave soul he was. Uh, wonderful car, though. It started my passion. So the MGB GT, uh, have you had a chance to drive any of those? I probably did drive one a while ago, but not for a long time. But there, I saw one passing in the street the other day, and I thought, yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of perfectly proportioned. I mean, they now look like little cars. They weren't thought about little as little cars in the day, but... Um, uh, with that fastback, which I think was styled by Pininfarina, mm -hmm. it's just a very dashing little car, but, you know, still quite non-threatening, friendly, and, you know, you can get all the spare parts for it. They're lovely. I, I think they're just beautiful little cars. All those cars from the, the 60s that were those little open-top, beautiful little cars. Well, let's wander off into what I call the last lap in that MGB GT. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and have you give me some quick blips of that MG throttle. So here we go. What's one of your personal habits, Russell, that you believe has contributed to your many successes? I think being interested in other people and giving them the space to talk and then listening. I do that every day. <laughs> it's, it's quite <laughs> fun, actually. If you could have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, can't wait for this answer, who would that individual be? I think it would be uh, Heinrich Nordhoff, the director general of Volkswagen mm. of, uh, from after the war until 1968, because he was such a remarkable man in so many, you know, he put that factory back up on back upon its feet after the British handed it over. He started the whole ethos of Volkswagen's evolution and customer service first, started all the export markets. And he was also a, a real good boss by the sounds of things. He his workers really did respect him. He started sort of workers' cooperatives. And he used to bring the Berlin Philharmonic into the works canteen once a year to play uh, classical music. And he brought art art exhibitions to Wolfsburg as well. So he was he was just a kind of very enlightened patriarch. Wow. Sounds like a, uh, a great person to write a book about. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know those things. But it, yeah, it was a fascinating guy. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't know that about. I'll have to do a little more research into him. That's fascinating. Now, when it comes to resources, what is a great resource? Actually, let me back up one step. I, I want to ask you about an automotive advice perhaps someone else has offered you. Now, this could be when it comes to buying vehicles or just researching vehicles or anything when it comes to automotive automotive advice. What's the best advice you've received? It's about something about buying. Um, it's it's to not be afraid of high mileages. 
Hmm. If a car's done a high mileage, but it's been well kept and it's gone up and down the freeway and been serviced properly, I'd much rather have it and save the money than have a lower mileage car, which is more expensive, but, you know, might have just been uh, slogged around the town. Yes. Absolutely. Well, how about a great resource? I started to touch on that. Is there one that you'd like to share? One I've started using is uh, the New York Times Archive, oh. online digital archive. It's called Times Machine, and you can access any issue of the New York Times back to 1851. Whoa. Their search engine. I've used it for my American research a lot put in Volkswagen 1948, and you get up all the all the articles that were written during that time. It's a really great resource. Wow. I wasn't aware of that. Well, fantastic. I always love it when my guests bring a new resource to our awareness here. Now, I always ask my guests about a favorite book. Obviously, we're going to put Volkswagen Beetles and Buses by Russell Hayes in this column on your show notes page. But is there another book you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, I'd like to uh, I'd like to share, and I th- you, you already know it, I believe, is, is Peter Grimsdale. Um, yes, who was a, a, fa- a friend and a fellow author. His recent book, High Performance: When Britain Rules the Roads. Yes, it's an automotive history that reads like a novel. It's such a quick read, and I just tore through it. It it, it brings auto history to life with social history at the same time, and connecting all these people in the 1960s who were in British automotive field in different areas like motorsport and industry like Colin Chapman and William Lyons and John Cooper and he really drew it together how they all interconnected with each other and how certain events were happening at certain times and it was such a great read I mean you can you can tell he's a he's a novelist yes um, I just tore through that one Absolutely. Of course, Peter's been a guest here on Cars. Yeah, it's a great book. I'll put a link to that book to Volkswagen Beetles and Buses by Russell Hayes. You can get your hands on a copy when they, they come out here very shortly in the Cars. Yeah, show notes page for uh, Russell. Just go to carsyeah.com, type in Russell Hayes in the search bar, and his page will pop up with all these great links. We're about to roll into the checkered flag, but first, a little message from a sponsor of mine who wrote a book I think you might find interesting and very useful. We'll be right back. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting. But what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars Yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know. Everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. All right, Russell, we are back, and today's a fun day for you because you've hit the jackpot. 
I'm going to buy you a very cool car today. Something fun. In fact, if you don't have a garage, I'll even buy you a garage to park it in. How's that sound? So you don't have to leave it on the streets there in North London and worry at night about somebody messing with it. But there's a couple rules to my game since I'm doing all the purchasing today. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with or invest or do something else. You got to keep it. It's got to tick all the boxes. I want you to drive this thing out to the beautiful countryside there in London and enjoy it or in England. And uh, here's the kicker, though. It's the only one cool car you can have so again it has to be something that does everything for you and most importantly makes you smile when you walk up to that vehicle so what can i buy russell hayes today i would like a series one lotus esprit okay i that's very cool i'm not surprised it's a british car and of course it'd have to be white because the first james bond film i ever saw was the spy who loved me yes in 1977 and um that was the james bond car that stuck in my mind as a kid, and I haven't been able to get it out. And I just think that it's still such a beautiful car. It's so impressive, and it would be such a sense of occasion every time I took it out. Well, I would think so. Just uh, And you could even drive it off the end of a pier, and it would just sprout little winglets and go well, sail, yeah, sail, <laughs> sailing through the water. Quite practical, really. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, the favorite thing about that car was the uh, vehicle theft device. If you remember, I believe the guy broke the window and the car blows up. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it takes, uh, yeah. <laughs> takes care of the assailant. I'm not sure your insurance company would go for that, but uh, that always makes me laugh. Uh, one of the things I hate most is if somebody messes with my car. I'm so careful with them, and then somebody you know vandalizes it or tries to steal it or whatever. Well, the Lotus Esprit, have you ever had an opportunity to drive one? I've never driven one. I did drive one for my first book, which was on Lotus, uh, which included driving impressions. So I managed to do a deal with a, a classic car dealer where I, I spent a whole day taking out cars and then writing out my impressions. So uh, I, I remember the Esprit. It was a, I think it was an Esprit Turbo, and it was cool. You're so, you, you fit so low down, and they still feel so wide. Yeah. Really set the road rushing at you. It was brilliant. Oh, yeah, it's like driving a race car. But Lotus Esprit, well, you're going to have fun in that car. Hopefully, and hopefully um, I won't have too many bits fall off it while I'm driving it. I hope not. I hope not. No, I'll make sure I send you over a really nice one, okay? Don't worry about that. Very cool. Well, listen, Russell, you've taken us on a wonderful ride today. I knew this would be fun. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. I also want to thank Steve Roth and my friends at Quarto Books, or the publishers of this new book by Russell, Volkswagen Beetles and Buses. I'll make sure I put links to how you can get a copy when this book comes out. Uh, Before I let you go, though, before you drive off into this sunset in that beautiful Lotus Esprit. Could you share maybe one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance with our listeners? Don't be afraid to admit what you don't know and ask somebody to explain it for you. Absolutely. You can learn an awful lot by asking and then listening. I love it. Russell, thanks for being so generous today. Oh, before I let you go, how can people find out more about you? Do you have a website? Are you active on social media? I think at the moment, probably my Amazon author page has all the details of all my books on there. Okay, great. I'll make sure I put a link to that on Russell's show notes page so you can learn more about him. And again, if you love old VWs and Beatles, or you can check out on his author page all of the books. And of course, you can get your hands on any of them on his Amazon author page I'll put a link to. I encourage you to. You're going to like this new book, though. It's really, really fantastic. I got to see kind of a preview issue in a PDF form. I can't wait to get my hands on the actual book. Uh, it's actually, actually spectacular, and it's actually a lot of fun, too. It's going to bring 
bring back some great memories for you, no doubt. Russell, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. This has been grand. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much. Bye. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.